Welcome to the Awakened Collective, where we explore the topics of love, spiritual consciousness, and our divine purpose on this planet. Join us as we uncover the truth that our thoughts shape our reality. Welcome to the Awakened Collective. I am Rick Gregory, and I'm so glad that you are here with us, whether it's by some form of social media or podcast, you are welcome. Thank you. Um, I want to also thank Audio Alchemy Productions and Daniel Anderson for their gift of the studio and helping so many of us just um, bring our stories out to the world because we believe that stories can change lives. Um, so thank you for joining us today, and it never gets old for me. I want to remind you that you are the divine extension of your Creator's love on this planet, that you have never been separated from your Creator, and that we have never, ever, ever, ever been separated from one another. We are connected at the same source. I also want to mention that the thoughts and the ideas expressed in this podcast are my own and my guests, and they don't necessarily reflect the views of Audio Alchemy Productions, of Daniel Anderson, studio or staff. They are ours. And I have a very special guest this morning. And before I introduce this special guest, because this is a very special guest for me, I, I, this is going to be a little bit of a longer introduction. So most of you know, if you've been following along and you've heard my story, you know that um, in 2010, I lost my husband at the time to an accidental overdose to pain medication, prescribed Percocet, actually, um, and went into a tailspin. It was the darkest, really the darkest time of my life. You know, having lived decades and finally finding, knowing what love was, you know, romantic, intimate um, just love. I never had experienced it before. Um, only eight years later to see that go away. Um, I thought that I would never find love again. And a lot of people would tell me, Rick, you found love. A lot of people never find love the first time. And so I, I settled in the, in the place that I had to be grateful for what I had. And I was very grateful. Um, and you know, to memorialize, memorialize, um, my that period of my life and this special person at the time, um, I went back and looked at some cards that, that Kevin had written to me. Um, one was from my birthday just a few months before he passed away. And in that card, he wrote a note. And so to memorialize my love for him, I had that note tattooed on my arm. And that note says, Rick, I thought I never had purpose, ability to love, truly love, or deserved it. Then I prayed, God sent me you. You are truly my world. Love your husband, Kevin. And that's in his handwriting. Now you would think, fast forward a little bit um, to, that was 2010 that he passed away. In 2014, in December, I went out for coffee with someone. And very early on, had this inkling of a knowing that God was up to something. And early on in our relationship, um, Glenn saw, and Glenn is my guest, saw this tattoo. And you would think, 
Um, you know, there are people who would read something like that and maybe jealous or read something like that and, um, you know, not be happy that it was tattooed on my arm. Um, and what Glenn said to me was he looked at me and said, Rick, God has answered that prayer twice. Still gets me. And that's when I knew that I knew God was definitely involved in this. So we have been on a journey together. He is my fellow traveler in this life, my best friend, the love of my life, and my husband for the better part of 10 years. <laughs> so I introduce you to, um, to Glenn this morning. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you, Rick. Wasn't expecting that. And um, I just, I know we talked about this a little bit, but so I'd like for you to share your story with us, your life transformation story, how it all started, what happened, what's going on now. The floa is yours. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I just thought I would tell a little bit about myself, where I came from, where I've been, what's happened, what's happening now. You know, very different from you. I grew up in very rural Mississippi, um, you know, kind of poor, um, very far out of the country, like gravel road out. Um, and um, loving home, but, you know, dysfunctional, to be sure. Um, my grandfather was an alcoholic, my mom's dad, um, but, but she did not drink very controlled environment. Um, all the is looking back, all the isms were there, mm -hmm. but, but it was not a drinking household. Um, going to try and stick to, you know, uh, God and spirituality aspects a lot. So, uh, you know, I was, I was in church early on, You know, just remember going to vacation Bible school and church and, you know, having to be very well behaved, um, finding out later that sometimes uh, my behavior was modified with, you know, some drugs to, to keep up appearances. And that's a theme that, that followed through uh, a lot, you know, appearances, what other people thought. Um, around, uh, around seventh grade... parents separated and um, that that was wonderful for me because we moved into town yeah. I no longer had a, a hour-long bus ride of uh, taunting by other kids and things um, but they got back together for me you know quote unquote and uh, church started back up it had tapered off you know um, and um, got really involved. My, my dad and I got quote unquote saved around the same time, you know, so say eighth grade or so for me. Uh, and, and that word even then was a little cringy and it's even more cringe worthy for me now. Um, but I got really involved in, in like church music scene and was leading services and, and all of that in the small church um, and ended up actually majoring in music when I got to college. Um, but also, I mean, from early on, I knew I was gay. 
you know, and so there was a little bit of conflict there, but it wasn't something that I really acknowledged. Um, and one day I was walking on campus. I'd actually left the Baptist Student Union where I was very involved and, you know, part of a drama team, Characters for Christ. And uh, I was just walking across campus by myself and just, even though I had, you know, a few girlfriends in college and things, I was like, you know, you're gay. And, and that means that you don't have girlfriends, you know. And, and I just, I remember the overwhelming peace I felt that it was okay. It was okay. I, I mean, I know the campus has probably changed tremendously since then, but I think I could find that spot. And I was happy about it. I was so happy to have that realization. And so I wanted to share it. You know, I wanted to share this. And I, I, I went to the person I most thought I could share it with. And um, the BSU encouraged us to have prayer partners. They had a prayer closet where we would go and pray together. And uh, my prayer partner was... Uh, uh, I hate to use girl, woman, you know, a young woman named Cindy. Um, and I told Cindy and, um, you know, thinking that Cindy would share in the peace I had. And, and that was not the case mm. um, at all, you know. And, and I, I began having, you know, just people coming up to me and telling me how they were praying for me. It, it was tough, you know, and this is, this is 1988. Um, there were a lot of things going on politically. Um, mm -hmm. you know, around that time, I think Disney had, you know, their first sanctioned gay day, you yeah. know, a, a day for, for gays. And, and there was all this protest and boycotts. And, and it made me very angry. I just became very, very angry at God and religion and anything that was connected with it. Um, I, that peace was gone, you know. Um, around that time, my parents separated again um, and mom moved uh, to Jackson from the country. And um, after I had my first, you know, little relationship and that ended and I was just a crushed little, you know, 20-year-old or whatever, and um, I was at her house and she asked me what was going on and, and she point blank asked me if I was gay and I said, yeah. And uh, thinking it would be safe again and it wasn't. Uh, and, and mom had started drinking by this point. Mom was into her addiction, I would say, and uh, you know it. You know, ended up Dad finding out and walking into his house with a big Schofield reference Bible out to whatever Old Testament um, chapter and verse, and uh, pretty much led to. Um, me just letting them think that my best friend, a girl, was my girlfriend. They they created that story in their minds, and then it was 
very convenient for me until they figured out that that wasn't the case. And I had a, you know, I was living with a guy and um, they were threats made, you know, drunken threats from my mom, but um, we left the state and I didn't speak to my parents for a year. Um, somewhere around that time is where my, my drinking became what I perceive as not normal college drinking. Um, I worked at a movie theater and I had a, a day off during the week. And, and that day was spent listening to music and drinking pretty dark music now that I think back on it. Um, and then when that relationship ended and I moved back to where I lived before, that's, that's where I kicked in. Back into the college town, and, and I was just partying and started getting arrested and um, just full on, full on alcoholism. Um, those arrests ended up um, bringing me to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, getting me into a treatment center, but that was all just to uh, to stop the. Um, court proceedings and the pending prison. Um, and all I saw in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous was was weak people, um, um, people very different than me. Um, and I, I stayed just long enough to satisfy the courts, and, and I was gone. Um, the next... Ten years was not horrible. Um, there were no more rest, so hey. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I was not cured. Of course, I was still drinking pretty heavily. Um, but I started searching for something in that time still very much identifying it at least as an agnostic, if not an atheist. Um, but I was looking for things, looking at spirituality. I was looking at, um, I started studying Reiki, um, started stu studying uh, Kabbalah. Um, so definitely looking for something. Um, the drinking started progressing a little more again. Um, I was in a somewhat stable relationship at that time, but that ended and I entered into a less than stable relationship. Um, and, and it really, really took off. Um, my mom died after, you know, some pretty serious illnesses and, I just went off the deep end, kind of. Um, losing jobs, declaring bankruptcy. Um, that unstable relationship didn't last long. Not a surprise there, I guess. But um, in uh, early, in, in late 2013, early 2014, I... Um, 
I started kind of attending a church again, um, trying to find some stable footing to, to grasp a hold of my life again. And into some measure, I did. Um, I had not only sought completion in alcohol, but other people as well, you know, codependency and things. Um, and it, in the spring of 2014, so about 10 years ago, you know, I came to a place where I was praying, you know, and, and I was like, if, if you want me to be alone, if I am supposed to be alone, okay. And that's really the first time I had ever, I think, been okay with being alone. Um, I think you may have been somewhere in the same place. Exact same time. <laughs> March. Um, so, and then it became, you know, in December of that year is when, when we had coffee, mm-hmm. um, and and that was a a magical meeting, I think. Um, kind of comical. Kind, I was just thinking, <laughs> comical, comical. Wow, it was. Um, won't go into those details, but but those first few weeks, as we. No, I have to. I have to at least say that you know it was our. We went for coffee, and I had just had my teeth whitened at the dentist, and so we sit down for coffee, and I'm like, well, I can't drink coffee because I can't drink coffee for 48 hours. I ended up with a glass of water anyway. Yeah, but um, um, we were neither of us. I don't think we're in horrible places at that moment. Um. We both knew we'd been exposed to Alcoholics Anonymous, um, but and but neither of us, I think, were we were more in the shallow end of our alcoholism yeah. at that point. Um, but it didn't take long for us mm-hmm. to um, to dive pretty deep, um, just kind of feeding off each other. In, in my mind, yeah, I, I know no, I that's was. True. That's true. Um, we were still going to church. Uh, two churches at this point. I don't think I was ever drunk at church, but yeah, I wasn't maybe. drunk at church. <laughs> yes, we were going to church, um, and and found a new church. You know, so that that episode back in 1988 with my prayer partner and the Baptist Student Union and all that was my first real disconnect from any concept of God or a loving God. Um, so you and I found a new church uh, that we had kind of checked out and felt safe in and, and thought we could be a part of. Um, we were there for a year, right? Or more. Yeah. yeah. And, and as it came time for us to be a part of by becoming members, you know, after many meetings with the pastor, we were called in and, and told we could not. Right. Disconnect again, um, you know, and and it just kind of seemed to dash just everything against rocks. Especially when you know when that amount of time in any place, when com- in any community, you know, where you develop relationships, you know, with people and people love you, and um, 
and then to be told you're basically not welcome to be even considered a member, um, certainly not able to serve here. Um, you know, that it can be heartbreaking. And at that time, I think, I, at least for me, I was still looking for validation outside of myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true for you. But. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, and, and that just... That just deepened the alcoholism for me. Um, I mean, it's it was pretty consuming. Um, and, and just so dark, but but flash forward a little bit further. Um, you know, I mean, and it wasn't always, of course. There were there were good days and and, and good weeks and things. But um, then, in Easter weekend of two thousand nineteen, um, you know, a four day four day binge. Um, I remember the Monday after Easter when you walked into our family room. And said, Glenn, we can't keep doing this. Um, and I, I remember that moment somewhat like I remember the moment on campus. Mm. You know, I remember it with a glow. And, and that was definitely for me a God moment. The year or two building up to that, you know, it was quite apparent that things were out of hand, um, you know, and I had searched for any any way to gain some control, you know, except going back into the rooms of AA, you know, except anything that had to do with God, you know, in, I was looking for a clinical solution. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a week after that Monday, I walked back into an AA meeting with you. Uh, it was an AA meeting I'd been to 20 years before. Um, and, um, you know, that, that was a start. That was a rough week leading up to, you know, detoxing and all without any medical assistance. The AC went out that week. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, that's um, right. So... Um, and you shared before your experience walking into that meeting and what you were thinking you were going to be met with because you you, you knew some of the people that were there still, right? Right, right. And I, I just thought, well, you know, they'll they'll see me as a failure. They'll laugh, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. But, of course, that's not the case. It's welcomed. And, and that meeting was at a little Episcopal church near our house then. And... Uh, They had little uh, quarterly meditation books or, or daily reading books. Um, and I remember picking up one of those. And that, that was kind of my connection at that time. I didn't have any AA literature or anything. Um, but just started reading that little, you know, daily, daily reading book, daily meditation, whatever. Um, and that's, I started going to a daily, a noon meeting at that church. 
that same church. And um, that's where I met my sponsor, who was on recently. Um, and just, you know, being willing to, to do the whatever it took. I was so scared. And I, you know, I, I hadn't, I didn't have much business going on right then. And uh, I was able to go a lot and to just kind of immerse. Um, you know, and the first year was pretty much just about not drinking, you know, but then after that, you know, it started working on this spiritual growth. Um, and um, you started reading this book, A Course in Miracles, and you would read a little bit to me sometimes, and it sounded so... Uh, I, I did not like the language of it. Um, at all, it, it, um, but you wanted to start working the workbook portion of it, which is where you take a lesson each day for a year. And so, uh, I agreed to start it with you skeptically, um, but I agreed. And, and what, um, what a difference that made, um, you know, just learning about how, as you say, we're connected to each other and we're connected to God in the universe. Um, it, it was an amazing, an amazing study. Um, from that, you know, I just, I now see all the divides that get put up. We're divided by who we love, the color of our skin, who we vote for, where we live, yeah. what we do. But we're not really divided at all. Yeah. You know, all the divides are put up by people. Um, and for me, it's people that divided me from any type of spirituality. Um, Would you think it was, you know, uh, people, uh, I'm just thinking um, that in my own perceptions, you know, how I perceived the, the way that I was, how I interpreted, even the situation in the church we talked about, you know, how I held that in mind was I had a choice uh, to either hold that in mind as something that as a, a sword um, that was actually only falling on me mm -hmm. or letting that go um, and letting those prisoners of war go. But I never knew I could do that. Right. I, I just assumed people behave the way they behave. They affected me, and that's fact. You know, and that's what I think I learned, too, in A Course in Miracles, is being able to let that go. Right, and, and not that, and not to let that situation be a divide between me and those people, yeah. Yeah. those people, quote unquote, yeah. <laughs> that, that they're just, they're children of God, just like I am. Mm -hmm. We're no different. And I've done things to divide myself from people, you know, um, 
it just it it it's like looking around the divisions have caused so much hurt and so much pain i can't hold on to that hurt and pain you know um but you just you see it everywhere mm-hmm. you know the man on the corner Just, it's everywhere. And what I what I have taken from things so far, and and especially, you know, like with the division between each other and between God, is that that can all be healed. That can all be repaired. No matter what has happened in the past, we can find that reconnection. I agree with you. Um, I had to let go of preconceptions about others, about God, and about myself. We collect all that stuff, don't we? It's just until we are able to take a a step back and become, what I say, the the witness, we can do that self-examination and look at ourselves and look at what we're thinking and where those things came from and originated from and begin to do that work. And then we see the outside stuff begins to change. I don't know if it really changes or we just see it differently. But, but there is there is a change. And, and then also understanding, like you said about we're not separate, recognizing that everyone's on their own journey and not everyone sees things the same way that you know we've said on here many times that we come to this planet as a child and you see a little kid 2 year old how much joy and happiness they have they're so connected with their creator and then it's like we go into this state of amnesia or unconsciousness and then life is a series of experiences that hopefully wake us back up you know but some people just are still in the experience stage and haven't yet woken up and if we can look at people that way with grace and kindness, we can understand that we're all just doing the best we can with what we know today. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And I'd, you know, as I was thinking back of, you know, where, where I came from and all that, you know, it was a dysfunctional household, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my parents or my mom especially grew up in a dysfunctional household. But again, those people were all doing the best they could. don't know why I even felt like sharing that. Um, I wanted to, um, you know, as we were talking about throughout this discussion, you know, um, trying to get validation from outside of ourselves, always looking externally. And when I would look externally for that love I was looking for to fill that hole that was in me when I, it was the love was in me all along as this was in you, but we search externally trying to find something. And so it was no wonder then when I didn't feel great, I sought externally to find something to make myself feel better, which was alcohol for me too, you know? Um, but then once we were on, and it was a gift of God that brought us both to the place of recognizing we needed help, but, getting that help, being willing to do what it would take because we knew that apart from that, we probably would have died. Our kids would have found us in the house and had to clean everything up and all of that. But the grace of this power greater than us um, 
once we began to do our part of cleaning up our side of the street, as we call it, life began to change. We began to see things differently. The external things that I was no longer working to seem to be working to make things happen, but they were just happening. You know, that's why we, we call it work. But at the same time, the work is just me being willing and you being willing to look at ourselves, admit what we see, ask for help. Um, but it's just waking up to that. I, I want to share, I didn't tell you I was doing this and I don't get nervous, but I, I want to sh- share a picture. If you could put up this picture. So this is, <laughs> this is Glenn only just a few years ago. And like I said, it's not about, you know, uh, the change in him was from the inside out. Certainly it took work, you know, it, uh, diet and exercise and all that to see that transformation. But it started with the desire. It started with all of a sudden I care about myself. All of a sudden I I want this, you know, I want to get better. And then, I mean, this guy runs races now. I don't do that yet, but runs races has won like first place, second place. And I, I can't remember them in, in five Ks, um, and it all just started with waking up. All just started with saying, hey, I can't do this anymore. And realizing that, you know, if we continue to just do the same crap, we're going to get the same results. Thinking somehow that we're going to, things are going to be different. You know, and I tried losing weight for for decades. You know, I would say, well, if I do this program and I stick to it every day and do, you know, but it had to start from the inside out. Well, I want to thank you for being here today. Um, you know, I love you. And you, honey. I would, did you have something else you wanted? I did have one thing oh, I yeah, wanted to please. read. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, just this, um, I read uh, a, an email, the Daily Ponder pulls every day, and they have a lot of Native American things in there. And this was one today, and I just, it seemed to fit. And so I was going to share it, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, please. Uh, it's a quote first. Uh, the creator was responsible for the existence of everything. A part of the creator's spirit exists in everything, and thus all things are connected. Um, that's a, from a Larry Aitken uh, with a Chippewa. The creator designed nature, people, and all things as an interconnected system. Everything is connected to each other. This connection exists in the unseen world. The same way... Our body parts are all part of the same body. The parts are separate but also connected. If a part of our body is in pain, the rest of the body recognizes this pain as its own. In other words, the pain of one is the pain of all. This is also true of every interconnected system because we are all connected. We should respect and take care of our earth and each other. We are all connected. I'm going to ask Danny if you'd put up our contact page. For those of you who are listening by podcast, obviously you didn't see the picture I put up of Glenn, but you can go to my Facebook page, which is the Awakened Collective, and check that out. Also my YouTube page, and all of those links are here, which you also can't see if you're watching by or listening by podcast. But the website is uh, theawakencollective.org. Email is Rick, Greg, Rick Gregory at theawakencollective.org. And I'd love to hear from you, especially if you're struggling. Reach out. YouTube 
is YouTube, uh, at Rick Gregory, Rick.Gregory. TikTok is official Frederick Gregory. My real name's Frederick, but I go by Rick. Um, but please reach out, especially if you're struggling, if you have any questions, comments. would love to know that you're listening. That would encourage us. And on Friday, the 1st of March, you're going to finally hear from pastor and author Josh Scott with Grace Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee. I just really admire this guy. I've been following him on Facebook, and we struck up a conversation and met face-to-face while via Zoom recently. He had an illness in the family and couldn't make his last appointment, but we'll be here at 5 p.m. Central on the 1st. Um, I like He says in this section right here, if you can't see it or if you're listening, if it doesn't lead to the flourishing of all humans, it isn't really good news, no matter where you found it. That's just one of his posts, but... I really, I really like this guy, and I think you're going to like him too. So on the 1st, 5 p.m., Friday, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and until next time, my friends, love and kindness always.